0: I'm just a shell of myself anyway. Uh, So they open the door and I look around. I remember looking around. And first of all, the light, the situation that you're in just feels grim. The light is off yellow. It's it's really nasty. The floor is puke yellow, right? And then when you look around, um, I just was walking. I'm like, damn, everyone in here looks like me.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan. Today on the show, I have Javon Wooden. Javon, how are you doing today, man?
0: I'm doing fantastic, Nick. How are you, man?
1: I'm good, man. I appreciate you being on. I know you were on uh, my partner's podcast quite some time ago, and um, you and I tried to do this before like, I don't know, five, six months ago, something like that. And I'm excited that we're on here now. And when you told me where you lived and I thought, man, maybe you root for the wrong sports team, but then you went ahead and told me that you're an Eagles fan. And for those who listen to the show, they know that I basically bleed green and uh, that I'm from Philly. It's hard to not tell that at times, but man, I appreciate you being on. And I'm glad that we could kick things off with that shit. I told you before we hit record, like maybe we just talk about Super Bowl fifty two for the entire episode. Yeah, man. I'm sure yeah, there are some hey, people listen. For it. <laughs> yeah, some people listen and they're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And other people are like, "Fuck this, Eagles fans." Um,
0: yes, yes, hey, yes. Fly Eagles, fly, baby. Yes, sir. exactly. But it's a pleasure being here. I'm glad we finally got to connect, man.
1: Same, man. Well, why don't you kick us off? Tell us what you do for a living, and uh, what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre.
0: Yeah, man. So uh, what I do for a living is I am the CEO of an organization called Bright Mind Consulting Group. We do leadership coaching and we do uh, business consulting. I'm also a speaker. I speak a lot on mindset. I speak a lot on, uh, you know, empowerment, personal development. I'm also an author of the book Own Your Kingdom. And something interesting about me, I grew up in a polygamous household. Go on. Yeah, see? See? I told you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I was had like a lot of, a lot of yeah. interesting things on this <laughs> yeah. show. So, you know, I had to I had to come with one. So, throw yeah, polygamy me in there. household. <laughs> so, my mom was a uh, wife number 2. Um, so raised in the Islamic household up in Rochester, New York. Um, so her husband, not legally, right? But her husband had um, you know, another family on the on the west side of the city. We grew up on the east side. So, he pretty much had to split time, right? So, he, he split lit his days, every other day he'd be at one one of the other households. Um so as you can imagine that impacts the way you, you view the world, right? Uh yeah. so So I had to, um, you know, I'm currently married now, so I had to kind of identify what my definition of love was and why I, you know, wanted to be married and what marriage meant. Was it just for business, right? Was Mm. it just to to make sure the status of the family or for protection or whatever the case may be? Or was it that I was going to get married for love, uh, for longevity um, and to be with that one person? So, uh, yeah, man, it's very, very interesting for sure.
1: Well, this is what the first handful of minutes at least are going to be about. Um, <laughs> that's got to be interesting. So I, I grew up in um, I, I like to think of like uh, sort of the rich dad, poor dad sort of scenario. Um, mm-hmm. I, did, I had like a rich dad and poor mom. I, it sounds weird when I say that some ways, but my mom would work a couple different jobs. My dad had his own business. He and his wife, just vastly different uh, lives. And I would go back and forth between that. And I remember seeing kids growing up where like their parents were always together or they'd been together since high school or whatever. And for the most part, most of them hated each other. You could just tell they like lived in separate rooms and all that shit. Um, But I remember being told about polygamy when I was, I don't know, somewhere in my teen years, uh, high school or something like that. And thinking that's kind of cool. Like you can have all these different (laughs) women and all that. And then as I started to date, I was like, this is nonsense. Like, I couldn't imagine that. Um, I was married for eight years and couldn't imagine, like, having any other family outside of that. And now with my partner, I I don't want anybody else. I wouldn't want anybody else. And I couldn't imagine what that would be like. And there are times where it's easy to, like, make jokes, like, yeah, you don't know somebody. They could have another family somewhere else. Or they could, they could say they're going on business trips and it just be something different. But it sounds like that was all... open and clear. So thinking back on it now, did that, how did that shape you? And what did that shape kind of the way that you thought about and looked at love?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, the the fact that it was clear, you know, uh, We thought it was normal. But, uh, you know, later on, I did talk to my mother about it. Like, you know, mom, why why did you? I I looked at it as like settling. I'm like, here's my mom. I think she's Mm. a fantastic woman, beautiful woman. Uh, But she told me, she's like, yeah, I just got tired, man. You know, I I got tired. Um, I needed help raising my kids. Um, I was struggling all of my life, um, you know, I was got tired of getting beat, I got tired of uh, men cheating on me, I'd rather know exactly what they were doing, right, so she's like, I just couldn't do that anymore, I got tired of having to get kicked out of homes because I couldn't afford it, uh, moving y'all, you know, it's five of us, so uh, yeah, so I, I got it, I understood it uh, later on in life, of course, while I was going through it, I had no idea, I was pissed all the time. I'm like, here this man is, you know, getting a plate of food for my mother. And then he got to go next day to this this other house, you know, with these kids. And he kind of separated us. You know, we knew of one another, but we didn't really hang out. Um, So, yeah, I was was angry for a lot of the time. Um, And I was angry for a multitude of reasons. One, I was like, man, if he just had this one family and that was us he'd be able to make sure we was in a better house, right? Our yeah. house wouldn't be falling apart. Our lights wouldn't be turning off, right? Because we were still in the hood, you know, still living um, a very, a very um, poor existence, right? So I'm mm-hmm. like, why are we still doing this? Because he's has this other family has to take care of it's more it's expensive enough to take care of one um but as i as i grew up i also understood that they didn't necessarily get married for love right as i said you know they got married for the business side of things right um eventually maybe they started loving one another but um it was more so yes there was a physical attraction there but it was more so um for the for the the protection for the care and all that other stuff right um kind of like they did in the medieval times right uh, <laughs> back in the okay. day or whatever right <laughs> um but uh yeah man I just had to to weed my own way um, I had to figure it out I had to say all right you know who do I want to be uh, mm-hmm. do I want to sit here you know cuz when you're young you don't really understand it like you're talking to this girl and that girl and doing doing whatever what teenage boys do but as I had gotten older I realized that it impacted me in a different way I wasn't just doing what teenage boy were doing I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, who I wanted to be um, could I be with one person right so I had to do that with therapy and I had to go through all these different things later on to to be ready for what I'm in now married now um, but to get there, you know, I hurt a lot of people and I hurt myself mm. a couple of times, right? Um, because there's also this trauma piece, right? You also bond from the traumas of growing up in an impoverished environment, growing up in a, uh, a household where you're struggling constantly. Um, so you kind of seek out people who, who can relate to the struggle, uh, so to speak. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like I can I can be with this person because they understand. Well, that's a trauma tie. That's just so you know, it's not a good thing uh, that yeah. they understand in that way. So um, <laughs> I had to figure all of that stuff out, just walk, going through life, man, and being intentional about uh, the healing journey.
1: Hmm. Were you able to talk with your dad about any of it, even as you got older, like man to man, like yo, dude, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I never, I never, you know, I never really considered him my dad. You know, I never really really called him that um we grew up in a in a islamic environment you mean like him right my mom's husband or my biological father okay yeah my mother's husband um yeah i I never really called him my dad we did call him abu which is kind of father in in islam but i called him that because i was told to call him that um Mm, but as i as i got older i did realize like i i respected him more because I'm like, he didn't have to, right? He didn't have to, to step in and take care of us and look at us like his kids, no matter what the situation was. He still, you know, made sure we were, were good in some sense, right? He, sure, he mm. still split bills with my mom or whatever they did, um, so somehow, some way. So um, he still would, you know, take us to, to get burgers every once in a while. So um, I started understanding all of that stuff in adulthood, uh, but it mm. took me a while. Took me a while Um, So But I never really Asked him uh, Because that was I mean he agreed to it My mother agreed to it So it wasn't his fault Right It was a mutually Agreed upon thing Uh, But uh, I I understood it From a a Muslim Standpoint Right From from Because I was raised in that So I understood that The way they looked at it Was It wasn't anything wrong As long as you could care For that other woman As long as you could care For the wife Right Because that was the Biggest thing It wasn't it wasn't necessary for love. It was for procreation and, and, like I said, for the woman, for protection and, and for someone to provide and all that other stuff. Yeah. So um, they live like, like that. So, um, you know, Christian the Christian way... Isn't that so? I always got a lot of questions from my Christian friends and stuff, but that's how I understood it. And I'm like, well, your father's out here playing your mother, and you're not saying anything. (laughs) At least my mom knew about it, right? Exactly, (laughs) you know. I saw him uh, walking to the neighbor's house, yeah. your, Your mom stayed with her for however long, and she knew that he was doing all this stuff, you know. Um, so but but yeah, all jokes aside, like, yeah, that's that's how I looked at it. I was like, you know, this is something two adults agreed upon. My mom told me why she felt the way she did, and from his standpoint. No, I just knew that that was a uh, that was how they described it because that was what was in the uh, Quran. Like, hey, you can take on multiple wives, um, as long as you can provide and care for them, and you have to split their time equally. No one can be favored over the, over the other. So that's hmm. how I knew what was going on.
1: What an interesting thing, man, because you you hit like where my questions are coming from. Um, like I. I've often think about the bullshit shoulds, like you should Mm -hmm. do things this way, you should do things that way. Like I tried to do things the way I should, I tried to, like, have the wife and go after the white picket fence and plan for two and a half children and the half is always fucking strange but you know like having all oh, like, of that half? like yeah well yeah, i don't know like i've heard that before it's like two and a half kids like the little baby kid i guess or like maybe just a fucking torso and it's like well this is our torso oh, child this is strange <laughs> uh, but like doing the things that you should do because of how you're raised and the system that you're raised within mm-hmm. i was raised uh my mom went to catholic school and when she told me I had to go to church, she told me, like, I'm not going because I already did my time. I was like, oh, is that how this works? Okay. Then then I had the Christian side of my family that were very almost legalistic in a sense. Like, this is how the law is. This is what the gospel says. This is how God tells us to do things. And we, as kids, are just sponges. And we just soak that shit up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I, I should trust you. And I should do this this way. And... Polygamy sounds like it's a weird thing because it's different from what I'm used to. And so being raised in that and having those questions from your Christian friends or other people that are outside of that, I'm really trying to look at things from the well, if we get rid of the should, it's really interesting to think about how marriage had even come about. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about this, but I've been told by someone who you and I mutually know and who I love to pieces. um, (laughs) She's told me that there's a background with how the Catholic Church had instituted marriage because people couldn't just stop fucking each other. And it's like, well, we really don't want you to get married, but, you know, just stop. So get married. And then <laughs> yeah. like, if you really need to get out of it, here's an annulment and you, you shouldn't get divorced. You're going to go to hell if you get a divorce. And I remember thinking like I got a divorce a few years ago. And like that thought came through my mind. Cause I spent yeah. 10 plus years being deeply in a church and playing music in church bands and like hearing and feeling all that. But then seeing people that I was in bands with, like one cheated on somebody else and now they're married and they have a kid. And I'm like, how, how the fuck does this shit make sense but if we take ourselves out of the should equation and
0: yes. go well this is
1: what it's like how did you get to that point where you you realize like all right this is what this was and i'm hearing from other people uh that are saying this is strange or it's different or whatever but you still needed to do you and Absolutely. go along your life path so talk to me about how you kind of managed your mindset through that and what you thought of as you went through and how you dealt with the trauma that you had of like, well, where the fuck was this guy? And what about your actual dad? And like how all of that tied into the relationships that you had?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I, I the whole should I always say should from whose perspective, right? Um, and that's how I always look at hmm. things now. Um, so I, I look at myself as a lifelong learner, someone who's curious, right? I don't come from a judgmental standpoint. I come from a, a place where I, I want to understand, right? So when people would ask me those questions, I would say, um, you know, by whose law, right? Who told us that we should do yeah. this? And they would say, yeah, the Bible says this. And I, I, and I will also say the Bible also says that you can get divorced under certain circumstances and names those circumstances. And the Bible also starts with talking yeah. about incest and all these other things. Right. So um, there's a lot of things that we don't, we don't, don't about talk about, about. Yeah. So so I always say, like, you know, a lot of things are by interpretation and then a lot of things are man made so they can control the narrative on certain things. Right. So I'm a person now. I, I want to learn. And I say, you know, if that's your standpoint, who am I to judge you? Right. I'm a man and I make mistakes yeah. and I sin just like everyone else. Um, so, you know, as, if if you're, you know, if it's something that you're not harming someone else on, like my mother, right, she understood, she knew, he was very transparent with her, right, um, and the other woman knew, you know, they they were very transparent with that, uh, you know, then who am I to say, oh, this is not right, just because someone else yeah. asked me, and I didn't really quite know how to convey my, my feelings or, or understand what was going on at that time, you know, so as a kid, it was it was very tough, only because my peers would say that this was Different, or or they would say, sure. "Hey, don't tell this person because you know your mom might get in trouble." Whatever, um, so those types of things really um, played a, a factor in my mindset, where I said, "Okay, I should be upset right now because I'm mm-hmm. not like everyone else. My my upbringing is not like everyone else." Uh, but what I realized was, you know, they all had their issues too, whatever that may have been. You know, um, and and as far as my my biological father, uh, whom didn't really matter if my mom was with him or not, because he wasn't the the best man. He's actually, you know, whether he did it or not, he's in prison for a triple murder now. Uh, You know, so he's serving three life sentences um, in 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 New York. Uh, yeah. And, and the crazy part about that story is, uh, you know, for a while I couldn't talk to him. I, I wouldn't talk to him. I didn't even know if he was my father or not. I have so many stories, man, but I'm not going to get into that part. Right we got now.
1: time, bro. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but
0: yeah, when I didn't, you know, I didn't know he was my father or not. Um, his name is not in the birth certificate. He's, I don't have his last name or any of that. Um, huh. but uh, my sister, who is my, my oldest sister, also shares the same father, uh, she would talk to him from time to time. And when I tried to give him that, that chance to try to build this relationship, he actually got arrested while he was with me. So I picked him up. Yeah, I picked him up. Um, and we go to the gas station, like up the street from his house. And SWAT team jumps out. Literally, SWAT team jumps out. And they're like, get on the ground, get on the ground. I'm at the gas pump, I'm like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? What did I, I, did, what did I do? Yeah. And at this point, at this time, I think I had just got off of probation myself. So I had okay. got arrested for an assault and robbery charge. Um, but they let mm. me off because um, I was 17. Uh, you know, the case got dropped. And it was like, hey, if you get messed up, you have to do all your time. Right. Yeah. Um, so but so I thought they jumped out on me and they was like, we don't want you. We want him. So I remember looking under my car. Uh, at him and he looked at me and all he could do was look look away and I'm like yeah I remember that that's that's it and they were asking me questions in the interrogation room because they took me in too and they were like so what do you know about him I'm like you know him better than I do clearly you've yeah, been shit, watching him for me. years I just yeah. met this guy right <laughs> so so yeah so as far as him um, you know now I, I talk to him occasionally uh, and I, I asked him I said you know, you know what happened right what happened mm-hmm. in, uh, between you two Uh, Now, he used to beat my mother. He just wasn't a good man to her, right? Um, And he didn't... Apparently, he didn't drink that much. He would drink beer, but not like hard alcohol. But beer, you can get drunk too, right? And he just had a temper. Yeah, he just had a temper. So, uh, that's what happened with them. Uh, And, you know, the only memories I had of him when I was younger were, were not good, right? So... Um, it didn't really matter that he wasn't around because he probably would have made it worse right, for me. Sure. Um, so I was like, you know, things happen for a reason. And sometimes we just have to look for the silver lining or uh, understand that the reason may not have been for us. Maybe it was for mm. us to share our story um, so we can help someone else, right, get through some tough times and let them know like, yeah, I may not have a similar path or similar uh, adversity, but we all have it. And I'm letting you know right now, you can get through it. So that's become yeah. my mindset over time, right? Which is why I wrote the book, Own Your Kingdom, How to Control Your Mindset so You Control Your Destiny. Uh, because I wanted to give people the tools that I use through this journey of all this adversity that i faced um, in life, military, and all the like. Uh, and, and just make it quick. Make it easy. None of that fluff stuff and none of all that stuff. Yeah. Just get straight to it. And the first part that, that I had to do that I talk about in the book is forgiving yourself. Uh, mm. Because a lot of that stuff, you know, I... I Ask myself what was my role in it. You know, what could I have done differently? And the answers, for most things, was nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're a kid, right? You you don't have that type of agency over your life at that point. So, um, I had to just address it and forgive myself so I can move forward and not stay there.
1: You hit on a couple of things that really stand out to me. The um, doing something that isn't always just for you, but it's for other people to be able to learn. And sometimes you can see that from other people. Like I'm sure that memory is seared into your brain. of you looking underneath and him looking at you and looking away and the idea of the things that he had done had led for you to be able to do things differently. Now, granted, you could have been like, cool, role model right there. Let me go do this shit as well. And some people go down that path. Um, But also being able to understand that you don't need the fucking fluff. Like there's so much bullshit fluff that's out there. And I've realized that a lot of it is like um, almost bypassy, but they don't try to make it bypassy. It's just for the masses. Like a lot of people, as they start to like get into uh, either mindfulness or just trying to find peace within themselves, they're looking for the easy things that they can kind of unpack this little bit and then do this Mm -hmm. thing today. And maybe like these little journal prompts or whatever. That's great. If, if that's how you got to start off, that's wonderful. But there's a lot of that bullshit that's out there. And I'm glad you bring this up because that's part of the reason for the show is to be able to talk through the really tough times. But like, what the fuck did you do? How did wow. you do it? And how does that make sense for other people? Like, I, I think about journaling at times because the amount of people that were like, you should just journal, you should journal. Different therapists that were like, you should journal. I was like, look, I don't like the way that I write. And I'd rather type things. In fact, the way that I actually get emotions out is through music. And now I have a, a mental health coach that I work with that is that way, where he's like, go play music, go write it that way, you know, get it out that way instead of just journaling. But a lot of people are like, this is the fluff piece of this. For you, going through the craziness that you went through, Now looking back, are you able to look back and go, it was that moment or some other moment that was kind of a pivotal shift for you where you were like, this is where I started to change. And even if you went through some of the fluff and like tried different things, like when was it that you started to really figure out, I need to fucking fix my own shit and I need to work on my own stuff?
0: Sitting in the jail cell, man. Um, Damn, touche. Yeah, sitting in the jail cell. You know, when I had got arrested at 17, uh, I didn't care. Quite Mm -hmm. frankly, I didn't give a damn, you know, and it wasn't until uh, my mom and my older sister, Chandra, they came to visit me. Uh, So I go down to the visitation room and I'm walking through. And first of all, you're getting, you know, you're just getting denigrated, right? You you have no, no dignity going through that because they're checking your butt cheeks, doing all this stuff, right? Making you cough and all that stuff before you even get to see your family. Um, and you're in a jumpsuit, right? That says property of wherever you are, right? So I get in there. You know, I didn't care yeah. about any of that. I was like, whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a shell of myself anyway. Uh, so I they open a the door and I look around. I remember looking around. And first of all, the light, the situation that you're in just feels grim. The light is off yellow. It's, it's really nasty. The floor is puke yellow, right? And then when you look around, um, I just was walking. I'm like damn, everyone in here looks like me, right? Or it's a bunch of black guys, maybe some Hispanic guys, you know? And I was like, wow, this is is not good. So I sit down and talk to my mom and my sister and they look just worn out, man. And I had never seen them like that. And I thought about it, I was like, this is because of me. Because they're visiting me in here. I literally had caught my mind when they arrested me I called her like three in the morning and told her, hey, like, mom, I'm in jail, you know, and I remember her waking up like what, you know, um, you know, she was half asleep, of course, because I had to call her a couple of times. And she's like, what? And she's like, what do you need? What do you need? You need a lawyer? Um, And I'm like, you don't have any money for a lawyer, mom. So fast forward, sit down in that visitation room and she tells me she put the house up for me to get a lawyer. Now you think about this. The house isn't worth crap. I don't know how much that house is probably like, you know, uh, but that's where my whole family stays. So if anything goes wrong, that lawyer calls her on the loan, whatever the case may be, they would be homeless out on the streets. Right. And it would have been because of me. Right. So, um, that really, you know, made me like when I went back up there, um, after that visit, man, I just prayed, right. I just prayed. I was like, man, I don't know. Mm what it looks like what, but if you give me a second chance man I'm gonna I'm figure it out like I don't have anything I'm not I don't have any money don't have nothing to give anybody right because that's how I looked at it. I looked at myself as valueless I was poor right because everything mm-hmm. in the media everything in the world said you were worthless unless you had money um, so I was just like yeah God just give me another chance just so I could be with my family because that showed me that I did have value at least to them um, so so Uh, fast forward like yeah I I prayed that day and then a couple weeks later uh, they finally dropped the case after a couple times going to trial and you know no one showing me going to trial no one showing right Uh, they finally just put me on probation um, and let me let me go and I graduated high school uh, that same like couple months later and I had no plan (laughs) no plan man I was like I don't even know I'm going to college whatever and, yeah. you know, people always be like, oh, you're so smart, you know, this and that, right? But I hated school. <laughs> and so I applied to one school. I just did Buffalo State. Uh, so I go up there, and, man, I'm like, yeah, this is this is where I need to be. I don't need to be in the streets. I'm good. You know, I need to be here. Until they said that bill was due. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, you need to uh, pay the bill or else you're going to get dropped from all your classes. Like, what the hell? What? I thought I went for free, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a kid from Rochester. Yeah, I don't this know how that works. Yeah, like, this is public school, man. Like, what are you talking about? Pay. Um, and I was supposed to be in the equal opportunity program, but my mom didn't submit the paperwork in time, right? Uh, yeah. So, they was like, yeah, you got to pay. I was like, well, here I go back to the streets. So, I had a job there at a grocery store, right? But... I was like, yeah, man, I got to make some easy money because I got to pay this dang on bill. And I I did take out a loan, but it wasn't enough. Um, So back to the streets I went. But then I just was like, you know, I'm dropping out. So I dropped out, man, um, because I I just heard my mom and I I seen her again right behind that damn glass. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can't do that. So I I just figured it out until then, went back to Rochester, worked two jobs, two full time jobs, um, and then... One day, like I was working on a weekend at a hospital there as a janitor, pretty much. It's uh, called Environmental Services. Fancy name for janitor. Sure. Right?
1: You clean uh, up the mess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, clean up mess,
0: right? <laughs> but one of the guys that was there who worked in another department, he was moonlighting, but he was actually a Army recruiter. Right, huh. So he's like, man, you should come down to the, to the uh, recruiting station on Monday. I was like, I'm there. So I went there, and that's really what opened me. I was like, man, you mean to tell me in Rochester, this was down here and like nobody, all y'all just going to prison trying to make something and you can come here. <laughs> you know, cause no one ever, you know, my, my, one of my uncles was in, was in the army before, but he, if I went by his example, I definitely want to join cause he ended up dying. Um, he, he ended up uh, dying of a DUI and that accident was yeah. just terrible. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to look at him. My aunt went, um, so she was a good example, but no one really like talked about it, you know,
1: yeah. uh,
0: but I was like, Hey, this is my last ditch effort. Cause I don't want to go mm. back to that. Uh, so that jail cell really, really changed me, not because of fear or anything else, but because I knew that I couldn't do that to my mom and my sister again. Right. Um, so that was, that was my change. And now I live life that way. Like, you know, life mm. isn't just for me. You know, life is for the people I love and people who I don't even know who may look at me um, to get them through those tough times. So I got to make sure I'm watching what I'm saying. I got to make sure I'm conscious of what I'm doing, not in a way where it feels burdensome, but in a way where yeah. I feel blessed. Right. I feel like I'm blessed to go from that to where I am today. So uh, that's that drives me even when I don't feel like doing stuff. man.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting thing to think about, not having the burden but still having the responsibility right and an opportunity to be able to do it i um absolutely we were talking the other day about uh how a lot of people look at stuff specifically social media wise they're like everything needs to be content it's all content it's all for show uh we've actually stepped off of social media i'm mainly on facebook just to sell like music equipment and like <laughs> random shit around the house yeah. but other than that it's like getting out of the noise has allowed us to be able to look at how much noise there actually is that a lot of people are just creating noise to create noise and no matter what religion or what you think of I, everything that feels right to me feels like you shouldn't boast about that shit like mm-hmm. if you go and help mm-hmm. somebody you don't go and boast about it Right. Like uh, I helped some older woman at the gym the other day and I felt weird even saying it to Steph like, Hey, did you see this situation that happened? Cause there was like this funny thing. I couldn't hear what she was saying to me cause I had my earbuds in noise canceling. And she's like, Mike, <laughs> what did you say to me? And then meanwhile she was just asking, Hey, can you grab this 25 pound of mold and I can't do it. Um, but that wasn't going to go on social media. I wasn't going to take a video yeah. of it and be like, yeah, let me show people that I'm helping. And I get if people really want to be able to have content that does good things to help people. There are certain people that do that. But for the most part, a lot of that just feels fucking gross and like,
0: yeah, it's like fucking fake scripted. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And such bullshit where realistically you do need to be that example. And I think it, it starts with us being that example with the people that we're closest to our friends, family, the people we work with. And then you can kind of step outside from that. So how do you balance that? How do you like work with that and understand that you can't let the ego get in, but you still got to be, you just got to be you and be good.
0: Yeah, man. I just, I just be me, man. Like, I don't like, I, I, what I realized, man, is that one vulnerability is strength, right? Um, I used to hate for people to know that I was feeling the way, but then I realized like when I, when I put that out there, um it 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 was something that you know a lot of people built built a community you know Mm. i remember one time i was uh you know i I suffered from depression and one time i was just feeling it man and i just put it on like i was in the bed and i was just like man you know what i just want to let y'all know like y'all see the smile in me and all this other stuff but i go through it man every day i gotta decide to win um and this is what it's like like i'm sitting here struggling y'all think this is easy and, and somebody was like man i'm glad you posted that because i didn't feel like doing anything today either and i said good like don't <laughs> you know yeah because the you know the hustle culture have you thinking that you gotta just push through regardless yes and i'm like nah man because if if i keep pushing and i've been there if i if i keep pushing to the point i can't push anymore." right done. It, it, at some point my body my mind gonna tell me like that's it right and I'm gonna end up in a yeah. hospital or something's gonna happen I'm gonna make a, an egregious mistake fall asleep behind a wheel whatever the case may be you know so I gotta think about that like I'm in it for the long term man I played that short te- that short game and it's not for me um, so yeah um, I just realized, like, everything I do, hate it, love it, like, it's not it's not for me to, to be on there, and, and I don't really care what trolls say, so I'm gonna just say how I feel, and I'm gonna say yeah. it from uh, my perspective, my standpoint, and I'm gonna say, you know, if you don't like it, you can unfollow me, whatever, because I look at it not as social media, I call it business media, right? I call it business media, so I'm on there to get something done. I'm not on there scrolling mindlessly, I'm on there to get something done, um, and that something is whether I'm tr- I'm looking to motivate somebody, whether I'm looking to get a product out there, right, or mm-hmm. I'm looking to let you know that, you know, it's possible, right, in some way, shape, or form. I-, I just got an event, you know, if you really want it, don't just talk about it, be about it type of thing. So um, knowing why, knowing my goals for doing it, like... It, it, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Hopefully, someone says, man, this motivated me, you know, because that's, that's what I want. Yeah. But if someone says, man, you suck, I'm going to say, well, so what? <laughs> yeah. I don't care who, who you are. Come like, say yeah. it, you know? So um, yeah. that's, that's how I look at it now, man. It's like, you know, be you regardless because being you is what's going to open those other doors, right? Wherever you're looking mm-hmm. to go, if you try to do it somebody else's way, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you because you're not them and your journey is not theirs. So we got to remember that. Like, um, that's why all these gurus out here, you mentioned them talking about, you know, it's just mindset and all that stuff. That's why, like, most of their stuff never gets past that beginner stage because they're talking yep. to the masses. You know, I'm talking to people who are like me. Um, so I know mm-hmm. exactly what you're going through. You know, I know exactly that you're past that whole, you know, mindset thing and all the other stuff. You know, I may I may mention it. A little bit about, you know, journaling. But I'll tell you, just like your coach said, journal your own way. You know, I like to do yep. voice notes and poetry, right? Um, so, nice. ju- find your way. And then, like, once you find that, just keep it. The easiest thing is my phone. So, I just always have it. So, I'll just talk about whatever I'm feeling. So, and you, your music. So, yeah, just do things yeah. your way. Um, you know, and you try tried something, you don't like it, you don't have to keep doing it. Just keep figuring it out, man. The, the, the truth is... You know, I don't sit here and act like I know everything that I'm doing, cause I don't, right? And that's where a lot of people mess up yeah. at is they they think they have to have it all together, All right. And you do not, right? No one does. I don't care who you think you're, you know, is amazing. They're all figuring it out one day at a time. And that's that's what you yeah. have to do as a human. You know? That's that's the human component. Yeah. <laughs> and my dog loves yeah. it. What we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like- preach 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 that yeah (laughs) well it's (laughs) well it 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 is interesting how we um just technology social media the internet all that has opened up doors to be able to look and see what other people are doing or what they aren't doing and we as people learn from other people we can go Mm -hmm. oh cool i saw javon did this thing and maybe i can try that that's cool And I know there are people listening to this show that will take different tidbits and be like that's cool i'll try that thing out because that kind of relates to me then there are others that it's like you shouldn't just don't do those things Mm -hmm. and it's not a matter of like being told by somebody else to not do them you got to figure it out on your own figure out what works and what doesn't work i do really i want to talk about this a little bit you'd mentioned about how your body will show up it'll tell you when you need to stop it'll make you rest uh, I've gone through the hustle culture bullshit and almost committed suicide and had craziness happen to me. One time I had basically 90%, maybe that's a little much, maybe it was like 80, 85% of my body was a giant rash because my body was like, you need to calm the fuck you down. And, sit. Yep. and I was yep. like, but I'm not going to, I'm going to keep going. And it was like, just like the whole, my, my whole fucking body basically. Um, and I went and saw dermatologists, I don't know, like three, four of them, something like that. And they were like, oh, well, what are your, whatever you ate, just don't eat that again. I was like, that's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. That's literally what like, they said to you? Yeah, two of them. And then I had uh, the last one, last uh, appointment I went to, there were two people in the room. And I was like, you know what, I think this is actually a mental thing. I think it's my body trying to tell me to do something. And both of these assholes just laughed. And they were like, oh, no, 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 that's not it. And I was like, well, cool. Now you told me something about you. And I just started to like put my stuff on and get out of the room and leave. I was like, well, fuck this shit. (laughs) Me and my crunchy body trying to get out of there. (laughs) Uh, But how your body shows up to be able to tell you those things. I don't think that we all need to go through that and get to that tough spot. But our body will show up and tell us that we've got to be able to do something different. Um, So how do you work with people and get them to understand that without... Having to go through the crazy nonsense and stuff that you'd gone through, how do you help people get through that? Yeah,
0: you mentioned one of the words earlier that mindfulness um, a lot of people don't realize what their triggers are or that they even have triggers or they don't pay attention to the certain situations when these things happen so i I get people to think about that yeah. like cognitively uh, because you know a lot of us operate in our subconscious so um, I'm like, you know, you get upset. You notice that you get upset. Is there a certain person around? Is there a certain situation? Does someone say a certain mm-hmm. word, right? And what happens when you get upset? Do your palms start sweating? Do you start itching? Do you start crying? You know, I want them to pay attention to everything that's going on um, in that. And then, um, you know, just track it. Remember, you can write it down. You can say it. You can do whatever. But have some way where you're identifying your patterns, right? Because when you identify those patterns, now you have power over it. Now you can say, okay, I I know that I need to remove myself um, if someone says a certain word or I can say, hey, I need time out, man. I'm about to to walk away before I knock you out or something like that. (laughs) Right. So so you just have to identify patterns. You got to and be real about it and be honest about it. And then, you know, people talk about boundaries, but boundaries are only as good as the who you how you convey them. And if you're conveying them to the person that you need to convey them to. Right. And you got to keep them for yourself. Right. The hardest part to keep a boundary with is you. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so I always say, like, when you say like when you know that a certain person, for instance, gets on your nerves and you just don't you're not feeling them, unless you work with that person, why are you continue to put yourself in a situation with that? Right. And even if you work with them, you know, you can say, yeah, I'm gonna keep it cordial. But, uh, you know, we got to work in separate rooms and then maybe we can come together, we can get a mediator or something like that, because I don't rock with you. You know, like you, you can put those things out there and in whatever way, tactful way you think it is, but you have to, you have to communicate in your, your emotions and your feelings. You can't expect somebody to know what's happening inside of you because it just doesn't work that way. Um, and, and that's where a lot of us fail. We're like, man, you know, this person asked me to go to this event. I don't feel like going to this event. Then you end up at that event. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, and now you're upset because you're at that event because you yeah. never told them you didn't want. So, like th- those types of things, like you gotta you gotta start being honest, and it starts with being honest with yeah. you first. You know, once you start being honest and you start using up boundaries, my favorite is no, right? You don't have to make a reason for no. You could just say, uh, nah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. no like, I don't. Want to... Yeah, no is enough. Um, and if you feel uncomfortable with that, like get to the point where you say no because I don't feel like it, right? Or no, nah, I'm good. Whatever it is, but those types of things, those types of boundaries and being mindful about certain things, that's going to allow you to, to achieve a level of peace that nothing else can give you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what it's all about for me. Uh, you know, I'm all for helping people. I'm all for, you know, doing whatever. But if it does not align with what I want to do at that moment, it's not moving me forward to the person I want to be or getting some money in my pocket so I can live the life I want to live for myself and my family. It's not happening. <laughs> you know, as simple as that. Uh, and I and I will say, no, I'm good.
1: That's it. Hmm. So you've you've hit on not only the boundaries, but a few times we've talked about or around the idea of, you've got to be good in yourself. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to know yourself and know what's right for you. So kind of along those lines, what's that one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery?
0: Yeah, I mean, self-mastery, to, to master yourself, you got to know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say spend some time alone, really get to know you. At, and this is not a point in time thing, continue to do that You know, every once in a while. And, and be real be honest like what are some things that you you would want to change about yourself you know what are the things you you feel you, you can do better um you know what are some things that you haven't addressed that you should address you know ask yourself some questions and just sitting with you um because you you need that a lot of times people are afraid of that so we put ourselves in groups or we put ourselves around people because we don't want to be alone but it's necessary to be alone To really become the best version of yourself and to really feel like, you know, you've unlocked that piece that we're talking about here.
1: Mm -hmm. Great way to put that, man. And look, I appreciate you being on today. Uh, I hope this is the first of many conversations we're going to get to have. But before I let you go, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they get that book?
0: absolutely man so uh, you can find me if you want to connect on a social platform typically on linkedin javon wooden j-e-v-o-n-w-o-o-d-e-n you'll see a light bulb mba Um, and then to get the book you can go to my website brightmindconsultinggroup.com if you're looking for coaching or consulting you can also book uh, a free consultation there as well
1: good stuff man again i appreciate being on today thank you so much for your time
0: yeah thanks man thanks for having me brother great discussion